0: Welcome to the Innovation of Work podcast. I am extremely excited about today's guest, Abby Ferry. Uh, Abby is amazing. Uh, She is a safety and uh, risk management consultant. Uh, She's a certified safety professional. She's a podcaster. She's an author. I'm sure the list goes on. Uh, Super excited to talk to to Abby today about her, her journey and some wish lists and some fun topics. So So, Abby, let me kick it over to you. Why don't we start with maybe just an introduction about your background? I'd love to hear your origin story. You have a degree in environmental health and safety from the University of Minnesota. So I'd love to know why. Why did you pick this as your field? Um, And maybe talk a little bit about some of the pivot points during your career.
1: Definitely. So first I have to add Duluth after Minnesota. Ah, That's very important. So I come from the University of Minnesota, Duluth, Master of Environmental Health and Safety Program. So big, um, not like huge difference, but just a big distinction between UMD and the U down here in (laughs) Minneapolis. So before anyone freaks out about that. So um, it's funny to have the origin story question turned back on me because usually that's my question, um, in the safety justice league podcast. So uh, I've been trying to, um, fine tune the origin story because, um, people have probably heard my story, you know, like the long version Yeah, and um, I've had different feedback on that story. Uh, some people are, are wondering why is there so many elements in this story and others are like, wow, that's awesome. Um, so, <laughs> so I don't know, uh, but I started in construction. So I, I went through that UMD MEHS program and really I, I got into that program just kind of by accident. I worked as an admin at a construction firm during, uh, during early parts of college, and there were two people at that office that were never there, and I thought, you know... I'd love to work outside and not be in an office setting. And so I wondered what those two people did and I learned they were the safety guys, so I learned all I could from them about what their job entailed. And they both had gone through the UMD program. So I, when I was ready or not ready to leave college, (laughs) I decided to enroll in that program and spend another year in school. And I'm really glad that I did. So Mm -hmm. I started out in construction and pretty much have stuck with some element of construction ever since, whether it's being a safety director a safety manager or site safety manager directly for a, a contractor. And then also working in on the insurance side of things as a risk control consultant, but usually focused on construction yeah. and then yeah. culminating with my consulting experience where yeah. I you know, take my construction background and apply it everywhere. So people like to hear about my experiences with brewery clients because <laughs> craft brewing is cool, but to me, it's just another form of manufacturing and distribution and warehousing mm. and um you know just kind of more interesting settings so that's um that's the work stuff and then the origin story of the the podcasting and the the author kind of things um that's i guess like pandemic projects um yeah. Yeah, the Safety Justice League we formed through LinkedIn direct messages. And oh, wow, uh, that's awesome! Yeah, like we were just messaging back and forth, had a very similar mindset about the industry and where it's going. And we got together by putting together videos, um, ask a safety pro videos, and then we turned those into podcasts back in May and just yeah. have been going ever since with that. And, um, the author piece was, um, I was just kind of prompted by a 30 day challenge to do that. So I wrote the safety habit in 30 days and that is
0: amazing. I'm so jealous. Thank you.
1: (laughs) You could do it too. Basically I've, I've been telling people like, just find the James Altucher podcast and find his 30 day challenge on his blog and just, just do it. Like just hold yourself to it and, and do it.
0: That's amazing. Well, let's talk a little bit more. Let's dig into more about worker safety. I, you've got some interesting perspectives on this, and I, I think that comes out in the, both the podcast and also comes out in your in your book, which I want to talk more about. But talk a little bit about why, why are you so passionate about worker safety and, and maybe some of the things that really kind of stand out for you is opportunities for, for us to improve.
1: Definitely. So I, since I'm a safety professional, I can have these cynical views about other safety professionals, (laughs) but I worry sometimes that people focus on not, I mean, not so much themselves, but more of like their development, you know, which is great. But one thing I learned early on, and I think it's just, it's my typical style. And then it translated to the work environment where I'm just curious. And mm-hmm. so in construction settings, there's a lot to be curious about. And so yeah. that was my way of navigating about. the job site. Yeah. And be careful. Yeah. So <laughs> I would just early on, I mean, in my first job, I remember Vince, the project manager that um, I would go to his job sites first and he'd say, Hey kid. Um, and this probably isn't appropriate now, but hey kid, you know, cause I was young then. And, um, he'd say, well, get out of here. You know, I'd, I'd walk into the job, site trailer and say, hi, what's up, get a coffee and, you know, sit down check email. And he's like, go, what are you doing? Like go outside, um, you know, go talk to the, to the guys, you know? And so I would, I think at one point I was kind of fearful that he was going to shoo me out of the trailer again. So I try to find ways <laughs> to just stay outside. So right. wandering, doing laps around the job and, you know approaching people as they're doing work and saying, well, what's that? What are you doing? And I learned so much and it's not just the material that I learned about, but also learned so much about the workers that they want to share. They want to explain, they want to really have you understand what they do. And there's so much power in that because then I could learn what they needed and yeah. then bring them ideas and bring them options. And that really, it, I later found out that it really endeared them to me, endeared me to them. Um, Cause you cared. Yeah, and it just came through and it was genuine. So yeah. I think um, it just comes down to, to people. That's what I'm most passionate about and being able to impact their yeah. safety and um, that they don't get hurt. You know, That's yeah. really the bottom line.
0: Yeah. um, You know, maybe one thing, if you could expand on this, I know, um, the, the culture of safety is, is is a hot, it's having a positive culture is extremely challenging from, from those experiences that you had. Um, it is one of the keys, just having someone who actually cares and listens to the worker as someone who's an authority on their job because they are the expert.
1: Yeah, they're the expert. You know, they're yeah. the expert at what they do. And then, the the difficult part to to then match up was them seeing me as a resource and an gotcha. expert. So especially early on, you know, you you're coming out of college, and you know, back then there's not a lot of women mm-hmm. in construction either. Yeah. So many times I was the only woman on a project site, the yeah. youngest person often by far. Um, so they're looking at me like what the hell is well, she gonna teach us it? about <laughs> anything? And yeah. so I just had to listen a lot and then digest what they were telling me and go to you know my safety resources. And I had my safety people in my network that I was very close with and bounce things off of them and just bring options and bring information back to the workers so that we could work together to, to solve their problems that they were bringing up. And it just took a few times of actually coming through, you know, following yeah. through. And I had workers tell me like, no one's ever really followed through. So they were used to like, yeah, I'll I'll tell this person about whatever, it's not gonna go anywhere. And so when I came back with like glove samples or said, here, try these defogging or anti-fog glasses and see if they really work at 3 a.m. on a concrete pour when it's 98 degrees outside. Um, And they got to see that, they were like, oh, she's actually like, she is listening to what we said and we get to work together. So I think that's really, that's the key. And, um, right now, what I'm most passionate about is not only the worker side of things, but where we come in, come together, where our connection is, is the technology, because I think technology is the thing that can finally like really help speed up those processes. Like in the past, I'd be wandering around a job site and asking questions, well, what if i don't have to do that anymore i mean you yes. still get out there but then you have more impactful interactions when you're out there instead of just fishing for you know answers
0: yeah absolutely no and i think one of the most important things that um you know, we're super passionate about um at anvil is that closed loop communication which you just hit on you know it's one thing to you know take information from from workers but to your point, if you never follow up, then, then you, the culture suffers, you know, they, they, they don't trust, they don't believe. Um, but, but when you do follow up and you engage them in the process of, of closing the loop and continual improvement, that's really powerful. And that's where I get goosebumps when I talk about that, because I, I know that's where real change happens and it's yes. not unique to, you know, uh, the safety profession. It's, you know, everyone wants to know that, yeah, their opinion matters, or they've at least been listened to, and someone's explained why, right. whether it's, you know, pro or con, so I just think that's, that's super important, um, and, and we're, we're certainly super passionate about that as well. I think, let's transition, I want to talk a little bit about your book, because your book kind of takes a lot of your expertise and uh, a, a concept around, you know, having a safety habit, and how we get into, just kind of routine and routine bad habits and how to kind of break out of that, which definitely, I'm sure you've seen this uh, many, many times, you know, on site w- with workers who, you know, you just, you, you you ignore that risk over and over and over. You, you know, you just forget it's even there. And then at, at some point it, it's, it something bad happens. It bites so, you. It, it bites <laughs> you. Yeah. Cause, so could you talk a little bit about the kind of the theme of your book, the concept and, of how do we get stuck because it's not just work it translates into everyday life as well
1: yeah definitely so the habit concept came from actually james altucher so i mentioned his 30-day challenge and he was saying how habit books are really like people gravitate towards them because everyone's trying to like break a habit, form a good one. And especially right now when people are, you know, doing work wherever they are. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, like we're really trying to break some bad habits because now we're amongst family and we're all on top of each other and, and things yeah. are really amplified. I yeah. found, um, maybe it's just me. I don't know. No, um, <laughs> so the concept of using habit as the foundation of the book was something that came from that challenge. And then the more I thought about it and did some research, it's like, oh, this is definitely something that applies to safety because we basically in safety, we're trying to instill that people will do the right thing, no matter who's looking or if nobody's looking and that's the key. So how do you do that? You form habits, things that they're not even thinking about. And I joke sometimes that I, I like to subliminally like give messaging to workers like in training. Yeah. So yeah. that's why I like to use um, social media. And so when workers are in my class, I say, well, just follow NIOSH on Twitter or follow uh, Senator <laughs> to Protect Workers' Rights on Twitter or something. And then later when they're, you know, looking up like fantasy football stuff, like some safety topic comes up and it's like, oh yeah. And you know, they'll delete it or, but they that's saw it. That's very smart, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I, I try to do that. Um, but the safety habit, really, what I tried to do with that book is, I meant for it to be like something that um, as kids were going back to college, that I thought what if a parent could give their kid this book and it might help them not make some mistakes, you know, as they go out into the world. And uh so I kind of looked at it like that. It was a little late to be like a graduation gift. And my daughter is in second grade. So I have no use for, you know, a book for a kid going to college, but someday (laughs) will. Um, But and then I also thought about how sometimes as a safety professional, I have problems with habits, bad habits. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And if I can't, you know, walk the talk. How can anybody? So kind of pointing out a little bit between the lines, like some hypocrisy or some difficulties that safety professionals have, and even communicating what we are passionate about and what we're experts about. And it's because it goes back to human behavior and psychology. And so it's a way bigger topic. And so I brought in the hierarchy of controls into the book and then also related it to um, the total worker health hierarchy of controls, because I'm really excited about that as well pre-COVID I felt total worker health that's where we're going it's it's total worker health and technology and here we go like safety is going to be awesome and then COVID hit and it's like oh gosh you know know. everyone turned into COVID cops so uh, it's it's my kind of way to try to influence, to make safety something that's more holistic. And if we can impact people at a younger age, maybe when they get to us, when they're in our workplaces, that it's not going to be such a stretch to start talking safety.
0: Yeah. So let me ask you this. So from a COVID perspective in in your mind, when you look at the hierarchy hierarchy of controls, do you view COVID as very similar to any other hazard. It just needs to be treated differently.
1: It's um because of how it changes, like it's a shape shifter, you know, like yeah. there's there's something different. Every single day, whether it's about how the how it's transmitted, um, you know, is it from Truth. surfaces, not from surfaces, do we have to yeah. increase our HVAC systems, do we have to wear a mask, not a gator, yes a gator, you know, like yeah. all these different things, I mean it's every single day there's something different, and I can't really think of any other hazard that we face in the in the workplace you know as a yeah like it's never been like this um so it's really difficult and it also because of how it's a public health thing that we can't just control something in the workplace and then that's it you know like a steel erection contractor, like they're not going home. Well, maybe they're going home and walking up on the roof or whatever, but you know, in general, the hazards can stay at the workplace, but this is really showing us how, um, public health and society issues are coming to our workplaces. And that makes it, it's, it's difficult. And, um, something I saw with safety professionals early on in the the pandemic is that they just didn't want to touch it. Because yeah, people thought it's a medical thing. You know, yeah. we can't say anything about it, but right. safety professionals are uniquely positioned to have influence with this topic.
0: For sure. Absolutely. All right. So I'm just going back to the book for just a second. And so we want people to go read the book, yeah. but can you give us a teaser on maybe one or two tips on uh, how we would break those habits that, that we may have, maybe even in our everyday life?
1: Oh yeah, you do have them. Everyone has habits that they want (laughs) to break. And so that's the problem is that what I've learned is the general consensus is that you can't break a habit. You have to replace it with a new one. So that's the key is identifying that behavior that's negative that you don't like, and then identifying a new behavior that's different that you can start to foster and encourage that habit. And then it will take over from the old bad habit so gotcha. that was one interesting gotcha. thing um okay. another tip is that sometimes you need to change your setting or change something um yes. so recently i moved so i moved to a new house and it's a new neighborhood i went from the city to the suburbs everything has changed so right. it's a great time to actually start a new habit and so um, pandemic, or as my friend Aaron calls it the pandemic because of, <laughs> for um, sure, <laughs> I think a lot of people's new habits that they want are are health focused, and yep. so uh, I have a slightly larger kitchen now, and so my new habit is actually you know cooking healthier and um, you know spending a little bit more time in the kitchen instead of the conveniences of a city right. where you get delivery a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I mean it is a lot of this is about being conscious of of what you're doing and having that. I I love the the idea of truly having a plan. It sounds simple, but it's hard sometimes to do. Yeah. Um so that that's uh that's that's a great tip. I appreciate that and we (laughs) want everyone to go read the book. Yeah. Um, thank Thank you. Shifting gears a little bit. So we are both women who are extremely passionate about women in professional and technical roles. Um and we may not talk about it every day, but I want I want to talk about it a little bit now. Um, so you know, in the in the trades, uh, well, first of all, there's you know we've got a lot of the workforce that's that's aging out. We've got we we need we need workers in the trades, and and there's wonderful professions and wonderful opportunities not only to do something amazing, um, but but to make a lot of money as well yes. in a lot of these in a lot of these trades. Um, and there's that. And then you kind of look at the section of women and the numbers are, are abysmal. I mean, it's still, you know, in the two to 5% of women in all trade jobs. So I'd love to get kind of your, I know you're passionate about this. Um, which, what can we do? What, what can we do to change that? Why, why isn't it changing more?
1: so i cruise through social media i follow a lot of construction kind of influencers and they talk a lot about like the hustle and you know 70 80 hour work week and it's like oh okay you know are you you must be single no kids no pets like (laughs) you could just go do whatever, you know, that's right. not real life for most people that have, right. you know, children, um, they may not have a spouse. They may be taking care of elders in their family or someone yeah. in the community. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot going on and right. you know, COVID, especially we're finding that there's, there's a lot of things that there's you a lot are. of plates in the air that have to, or plates that have to keep spinning, I guess, or balls that have yeah. to stay up in the air. And so I think, construction companies need to understand that their workers are people, they're multifaceted human beings, that um, if they can't come in at 5 a.m. and stay until 9 p.m. because something broke, um, that that is not a fireable offense. So a lot of it is looking into the structure of um, what construction expects out of their workforce and being a little bit more flexible and understanding. And I'm not saying it's like you can work from home as a pipe fitter because you can't, Sure, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but even with COVID, we found that, um, companies had to split their crews into smaller cohorts and sometimes even into smaller groups and then had to take what was usually a a 6 AM to 5 PM job and make it, um, uh, like two overlapping shifts or three overlapping shifts. And that actually just, helps some people. Just to
0: keep, and just to keep employees say from a yeah, social distancing co- yes, perspective, Yes, the, right? the social yeah.
1: distancing. And, and then it helps with contact tracing as well, that if you're in a smaller cohort, that it's less people to notify if something does sure. happen with somebody. Right. So um, yeah, I found that that helped some people because there were a lot of, I mean, there were a lot of construction workers that said, hey, I have to be back home because- the kids are working, are schooling from home and my wife has to go, or you know, or flip flop or my husband, whatever, um, or my grandma has to go back home. Um, So I think COVID really pushed that and showing, I mean, it's sad, but like showing companies like, hey, your people are humans that, did you even know that they have little Timmy at home that actually needs a little extra care? Than what you know, the average that you might think of. So um, I think if companies can understand that and provide some some more flexible options, we we found because we had to, that there were flexibility options even on a construction site.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting with COVID has driven a lot of flexibility options that we didn't really have a choice and maybe. Uh, just in business in general, we didn't think that we could work remote and be yeah. successful and not, not every role you can and not every company you can, I get that, but um, it's certainly been a forcing factor in a lot of ways. I think the other interesting thing that you talked about is that flexibility translates. Um, it, it translates really to any company in any role. You know, people are human. And if you tie it back to safety and the fact that people do want to go home and see little Timmy in the evening, you know, yeah. so in, in literally see them, they don't want to lose their eye in the middle of the day. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think it kind of comes back. You could tie all that back to having a culture that cares about people, uh, in a, a more holistic way.
1: And how many companies have you heard over the years say they have literally a culture of care or um, <laughs> people, you know, Indeed. people this and that. Like they say it, but then they're grinding their people into, uh, you know, the ground um, with the the hours and the expectations. And, you know, there's even other things like people, especially um, living near a city, you know, like maybe they live in the suburbs so they can now take the train into the city for their job site. Well, that right. works for three months and then there's the next job and the employer wants them to go, you know, up to North Dakota, you know, no offense, right. North Dakota, but um, <laughs> anywhere that someone has to go outside of their, their home base um, in construction, sometimes it's a deal breaker with a company. If yeah. you aren't that flexible person that can just pick up and leave and go to the right. next job site, that's not for everybody.
0: Without a doubt. And I think, you know, you can also tie this back to the the stats show that engaged workers, are not only more productive, um, and engagement comes with. I really care about this company. I want to work here, but it's you know it's a two way street. And engaged workers are also safer, right? They, right. So it's there, there's a lot to be said for for caring for employees. Um, let's hit on a couple of other topics before we wrap. Um, I definitely want to talk about one more topic about women, um, and, and maybe just diverse diversity. So, safety professionals again. Um, if you look at that cohort, the numbers are not really where you would want them to be. Um, and I think the the numbers for women in safety roles is is about nineteen percent, um, which it's low. What, why is that? What can we do to get more women to understand that this is an amazing career choice? Um, what What are your thoughts on that?
1: Um. Personally, I actually had some cool early mentors that were women. Um, my dad set me up like on a like a job shadow date with um, an EHS professional at the paper mill that he worked at. And he's like, oh yeah, she's a woman. <laughs> like, oh, okay, cool. You know, I didn't really know. And even back then, I mean, that was in high school. I still didn't quite get safety as an actual career. I, I didn't, it didn't click. Um, so it's been very important to me when I have the opportunity to be able to speak to young girls. I mean, I spoke with a, a project scientist group. It's called project scientist and, yeah. um, they bring in STEM superheroes or they call us STEM superstars. I forget now exactly their term, but they bring you in and you're speaking to girls that are like four years old. up to oh, that's awesome. Stage. And yeah. so they basically just want to know what do you do and how can I do that? And yeah. I, so I brought in all like the safety, like PPE types of props to get them excited and just seeing their the light bulbs go off where they were like, wait, what? Like there's a job uh-huh. that that's what you do. Okay, yeah. you know, interesting. Um, also, I, I've been an adjunct professor for a construction management program here locally. And it's always my goal to get at least one of those students each year. Yeah to get interested in safety. And there's usually a, at least one woman in the class, there's been a few, um, and usually it's one of the women in class that's like, hey, um, tell me more about, you know, what can I do after this degree to get into what you do? And so then I say, come on, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna get you doing this. So um, <laughs> awesome. I just try to actively talk about what I do, because if people don't know about it as a job, yeah, they're not going to shoot for it. So, um, you know, you're seeing more college degree programs and more mentoring type of programs to get people from the field level to um, doing safety as a, a field safety person and beyond. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know, as you know, really why there aren't more women. It because when you talk to guys that are in safety or guys in the field, they've often said to me, safety is. A really great position for a woman to have influence. And like, this goes back to all these societal norms and patriarchy and matriarchy or whatever. Um, so I, I get that, but, um, there are, there, there are some reasons why when someone asks me, what's it like being a woman in construction that I overall had a positive experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, that's
0: great. I think, um, it's interesting. Um, the more we can get to the younger age kids to let them know what the options are and even um, I've worked with some local organizations here uh, teaching the teachers what the opportunities are because sometimes the teachers don't know uh, about really cool opportunities and um, so I think it, I think we all have an opportunity to just keep educating and look for those opportunities to be spokes, spokesperson and I it's, I love what you're doing. It's, it's truly wonderful.
1: Thank you. One of the really big points too, is that there aren't a lot of women in executive roles in safety. No. So that's a big one. Um, and I talk about that a lot because not only is it like, I mean, it's a microcosm of the rest of The world um, where there's not a lot of women CEOs and executives um, at those really high levels and so in safety I feel that's huge that um, companies really should be I mean I know there's a lot of retirements going on and I'm hopeful that there's a lot of women that are my age and even slightly younger that have been coming up through the ranks that it's like When is it our time, you know, like, (laughs) is it now like to be that, that regional manager or, um, director and then get up to VP or EVP SVP and then higher up. So, um, hire and retain and promote women. That's how you get more women (laughs) to get involved in, in the careers. Violently agree. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So um I I've got um I got one more question for you and then I, I want you to talk a little bit about the safety justice league. We oh. we can't we can't end without talking about that. Um I would love to hear your view. What's your what's your wish list for safety technology? What would you love to see actually come to fruition and happen?
1: So I feel there's a lot of solutions out there right now that I feel they're really great, but they're not being used. So it's not so much a wish list of what I wish the technology did, but I wish that there was more adoption. So whatever it is, you know, there's people that are, they're kind of at a spectrum, right? Of where they're at with tech use. And so some, they've just digitized their forms. Okay, great. You know, that's a, that's a gateway um, to doing more. Some are like, Hey, I use this inspection app cool, you know, um, now level it up and let's, you know, do something with that information, with that data, because there's, I think I forget where I've read this or or seen something, but the amount of data points that we collect as a safety professional, even like in one week of going to job site visits or facility visits, it's more than our human brain can even do anything with. So we're collecting all this information, like, yay, we feel great because that's what safety <laughs> people do. But it's like, they're we're never doing anything with it. So yeah. it's just a complete disservice to the industry and to us as professionals to not have the information be um, automatically or intuitively, like, tracked and trended and giving us some predictions and, you know... I think a lot of safety people just, they hear predictive analytics or artificial yeah. intelligence and they're like, Ooh, I, I don't know about <laughs> that. And so I just try to tell them like, listen, there's other people that are working on that stuff. Yeah. It's let real. it work. Yeah. It's real. Yeah, like it's real. let it work for you. Um, yeah. when I worked for an insurance broker, we had a program that would spit out, you know, predictive analytics based on claims history. And you could literally say like a male aged 42 to 46 is more likely to have a shoulder injury that requires surgery that costs this much money. And you can tell the client, like this will probably happen. Yeah, And you know, they wouldn't believe you. And then you get to go back a year later and say, see, you know, like, I don't want to have those conversations with people (laughs) on the negative. I want to have them like understand as much as they feel comfortable understanding about the technology to buy into it and actually use it, deploy it and have it make a difference in the workplace.
0: Yeah, again, violently agree with you on that. I mean, that that's our that's our whole world with Anvil. One one follow-up question. So what is the from you know, our whole talk here is really in, centered around innovation and how do you how do you innovate, whether it's just from forming habits to getting more people, you know, getting more women in the workplace to to tech. What is the barrier from a safety perspective to keep keep folks from adopting? uh, and, and running toward this technology that, you know, we, we have, we have it in our hand. It's, it's here, it's available. We can do these amazing things. What, what do you view as that barrier?
1: Gosh, that's a really good question. And, um, I feel like maybe do people take some things for granted? Like it's there, they think, um, I don't know, like, I'm not exactly sure what it is. I feel like everyone's kind of on the spectrum of acceptance of technology. Like there are some professionals in my field that feel they are being replaced. Ah, and so yeah. they resist, you know, using yeah. these things. There's yeah. um workers in the field, even, that worry, you know, construction workers, manufacturing workers that might worry that they're somehow being replaced. Um, but what I found is when the people, you know, the actual end users, the people doing the work, if they're able to use technology that can allow them to report what's happening at their job, um, then those feedback loops get closed and, um, things actually happen and get fixed and they see that things that could be, that are prevented. Um, so I feel that use will drive further use. But then it's like well how do you get them in that in the door so yeah what's that gateway so that's why i always have a fan of like identifying where your company culture is at as far as what the, the company will support like literally support with dollars or support with the, the, um, the culture and then just trying to level it up just slightly, just keep pushing a little bit, pushing a little bit, find like the, the people that always have the new iPhone or that love to adopt whatever the latest technology is and get them on your side. And so then just build, you know, assemble your crew, build your allies, and then start to be able to get people using it to show some results. So other people in the company can see what's going on and then go from there. I mean, unfortunately with with safety stuff, it's often grassroots and things come from the field and work their way up instead of coming from the top down.
0: Yeah, no, and that's really, um, we, we're firmly re- rooted in that belief as well. And if I summarize kind of what you said, it's really, you don't have to do it all at once. It's find a smart place to start and then you iterate and you grow and and you get momentum from that. But it's it's about starting. It's yeah. about finding that place to start and realizing that you don't need to have the full end vision in mind, uh, maybe
1: on day one. Right. And I know in construction, the industry that I love the most, um, (laughs) the thing that I hate about construction companies and leaders is that they often just want to know what's everybody else doing. And if everybody else is doing it, that's their peers or their competitors, then they're more apt to do it. So I think if companies are on that leading edge of using technology, please talk about it because then other people will hear it. And it's kind of like a, it's a good peer pressure. So- Yeah. I've seen companies that have um, like, there's a local company here. Well, they're huge, but they're local Ryan construction. Um, They have someone that their position is vice president of insight and innovation. So if you find companies where they have people like that, it probably means that they're more apt to, you know, check out these sorts of things. So align with those folks at your organization, if you have them.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good counsel. All right, so let's wrap this up. So we can't, we can't wrap up without talking about the Safety Justice League. Tell us about the Safety Justice League. Uh, How do people tune in? What do you guys cover? Um give us the scoop.
1: Yeah. So lately we've been getting into these rabbit holes about technology. So it's actually perfect. And we should probably reciprocate and have you come talk to us too. I would love to. (laughs) Yeah. Like today's episode, I mean, I know people will hear this later, but today's episode has a tech company from Australia that it has a very interesting product that um actually work well with you guys too (laughs) so yeah so we like to have conversations with um people that maybe aren't necessarily in safety but Mm -hmm. that they have some kind of perspective or idea or product that safety professionals could learn from so recently we interviewed someone that works for a school for children with autism and Mm -hmm. it was a really interesting um conversation about things we could apply in our workplace too so um yeah we just we The three of us um we've put in a lot of windshield time where it would have been nice to have kind of friends you know to listen to on a podcast and so we're aiming to kind of be other safety professionals virtual friend. Cause often it can be a lonely space. Um, yeah. so a sounding board and also a place where people who may not be able to push their ideas or talk about their ideas elsewhere that will bring them in because we feel that their perspective is worthwhile for safety pros to, to understand and to be able to make the workplace better.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. I love it. Well, and, and I would say you guys make it informative. You make it fun uh, and and there's very serious things you guys talk about as well. Um, and, and you're, you're definitely kind of breaking glass, so to speak. So thank
1: you. Yeah. I, it was actually very important to me when we started kicking around the idea of doing a podcast that I wanted to do it because I had been asking other people for podcast recommendations and every recommendation was a man. (laughs) a guy hosting. Um, Yeah. Like nothing wrong with like Joe Rogan or whoever, but you know, I thought there's just not a lot of women voices. And so, um, you know, I, I listen a lot to intentionally. I listen to women led podcasts. So I'm glad you're doing this. And I wanted to work in how I learned about you. Um, I was listening to Kara Swisher's podcast, recode decode, and she had you and I don't, I don't even remember who else, but I just remember I heard your introduction. I was like, Wait a minute. Like I did the 15 second backup. Like (laughs) what did she say like worker safety and they're talking about technology. I was like, shut up. This is great. So (laughs) I remember I actually like did a voice note on my phone. Like I got to look this up and I spelled anvil wrong and it was so hard to like find (laughs) it at first. But once I found you, I was like, yes my people. So, um, yeah, it's very important for, um, women to be podcasters and for yep. women also intentionally to bring on other women, because, um, even if I brought in all women to the safety justice league, it still wouldn't be, you know, saturated with women in the podcast space. There's still yep. a lot of space out there for, for more voices.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. Well, well, thank you. Abby, absolutely a pleasure and fun. You and I, I could tell we can talk all day long. Yep. (laughs) uh, Have a blast doing it. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. uh, And look forward to talking again soon.
1: Thank you so much.